Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 171 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. The Jays returned home, went head-to-head with the Cubs. And we'll talk about the vibes in just a second. As always, the podcast is brought to you by Botano, the 2023 EGR brand of the year. Find out more, Botano.ca. You want to get in on the action. Botano is the spot to do it. 19 plus, please play responsibly. The game starts now. At Patano. The pod starts now with your M. Chuck and Coomzy. Uh, they drop two of three to the Cubs cam. It's tough to get a good read on that series because anytime you go head to head against a red hot team, a good ball team like the Cubs are, you want to do well. You want to prove that you can play with the big clubs. You want to win the series. They don't win the series, but at least they don't get swept. Is that a loser mindset of me or is that an okay outcome for the Jays this weekend? It's kind of just like a 2023 Blue Jays outlook generally. You're like, oh, you know, it would have been nice to win that series, but they didn't. And at least they, you know, won the getaway game on Sunday. So we can come out of it feeling somewhat positive. I feel like if they had won the Friday game and then lost the Saturday and the Sunday game, it would have been bad vibes. But I mean, I don't know. I, I agree with what you said. The Cubs were rolling into this thing red hot and the Jays didn't get swept. So sure, we'll take it as uh we'll put a meh on it and not overreact yeah i think that's a good way to good way to put it a nice meh tagged on there um let's get into our three up three down right off the bat because the first up i wanted to give was the ceremony for jose bautista that's really what this weekend was about the baseball was secondary honoring joey bats was first um i thought again the jays as they do with this stuff that was 10 out of 10 like they killed that ceremony it was awesome they brought out all the right people it was the right length didn't drag on it was really touching you saw batista get emotional um a really fun weekend honoring the greatest blue jay of this generation yeah, definitely. I'd say he's they had a lot of good players during that kind of stretch where they had the two ALCS appearances. And then I guess if you want to consider this generation, just kind of the 2000s in general, you have Roy Holiday, Carlos Delgado, Vernon Wells, names like that. But I think Bautista is the one that stands out for me, of course, because he brought the franchise back to life. We talked about this in the last podcast, but if it's not for him kind of breaking out randomly from that fourth outfielder type bench guy, waiver wire guy to 54 home runs and basically becoming the face of the team. The 2015 team probably never happens. Or if it does, then it's 
certainly doesn't have the same energy that the 2015 team that we love so much did. So, I mean, for me, yeah, absolutely. Bautista was the the key player of this generation. And it's great that he got that amazing ceremony. They put up that mural in downtown Toronto, the yeah. huge picture of Bautista. That's really cool. You know, just everything they did, all the former players they brought, you know, you have Edwin Encarnacion coming out, John Gibbons coming out, a whole bunch of different guys that played. Like you see like Marco Scudero there, Devin Travis, so many different guys. And this is something the Jays have gotten really good at over the past few years is honoring players from the past. And it's great to see. It's it's always fun as a fan to watch these things. It's nice, a nice little trip down memory lane. It's hard not to get emotional when you watch that yourself. Yeah, 100%. Um, the Jays did an absolutely great job. Uh, even their social media, the social media side of it was really, really good. Like I spent like 10 minutes scrolling through their TikTok because they were just posting fan requested Jose Bautista highlights. And that was like a great trip down memory lane. The time he threw out Billy Butler at first base from right field, that was hilarious. Everyone talks about the bat flip, how big that was. You kind of forget about that massive two home run game in Kansas City when yeah. they were facing elimination and how big that was the 50 home runs almost in a weird way. It takes a back seat because again, the bat flip, the postseason success and all of that. Um, and I also really like Arash Madani wrote a little thing. He's not with the Jays broadcast anymore. And I know some people will roll their eyes at me bringing up his name, but he covered that team back then. And he talked mm-hmm. about how the impact Batista had on the field was huge, but the impact he had changing the mindset of the front office. Remember in 2014, they didn't yep. do anything at the deadline and Bautista was pissed. He came out and was like, everyone else does all this stuff. Why aren't we? Why can't we be that team? And Madani kind of said that was one of the things that flipped the Blue Jays mindset of like, let's stop thinking like a small market team. We don't have to act that way. Next year, they go out price Tulowitzki. And then I still think we're feeling the ripple effects of that now when you see the way they've become more aggressive in free agency. You know, like I feel like 10 to 12 years ago, if they were to lose Robbie Ray in free agency, we would have gotten a spoonful of, hey, we got good options within. We have good young arms in this organization. We'll get past this. We're bigger than one player. This current version of the Jays, and again, the ripple effects from Bautista were like, all right, we lose Robbie Ray. That's fine. We already have Kevin Gosman coming in. It doesn't matter. We're replacing him, and we're aggressive. I think Bautista does have a lot to do with the way the mindset of this organization changed. And also, he gave the fan base a swagger. Like, Jays fans were arrogant pricks in 2015, man. And that's because there was guys like Bautista and Donaldson on this team. Yeah. And I mean, how many fans wouldn't be here if not for that? Like how many fans started tuning in? Like there have been lots of people probably watched a Jays game here or there. They had been to a ball game and were casually interested. But how do you get interested in the mid late 2000s Jays or the, you just don't. They sucked. It was awful. They were boring. And then, you know, Bautista and the 2015 team just brought the entire country to life and made baseball cool again. It was uh, a thing that it hadn't really been a thing in Canada since the 90s when the Jays won their two World Series and there was the off poor from that and now there's like the fan base doubled in size pretty much after 2015 so that's the guy ultimately we have to thank for that i remember in 2015 i was not in media i was working at the mall west edmonton mall um in a jersey shop and we like couldn't keep jay's stuff on the shelves like it was crazy man like we were selling out of stuff like pretty much every week as it came in and like the news was coming in to do a story because in Edmonton, the Jays explosion had happened and you couldn't keep gear around. Like it was crazy. Um, so yeah, Jose Bautista it was great to kind of see him honored. Let's talk. And you know, this always happens when you have one of these ceremonies is what's next. Who's next for the Jays in the level of excellence. And I know we have a piece up at, uh, at the, at bluejaysnation.com. If you want to go read a little bit more in depth on this, 
I feel like sometimes organizations, they kind of go one of two ways. If they don't have a truly great player for a while, then they reach, right? They reach for someone to give that honor to because they want to have the night. They want to sell the tickets and the merch to throw an easy jab at the Ottawa Senators. The Senators honored Chris Neal last year, right? Come on. You don't need to do that. You're bored and you want to put an easy sellout on the calendar. Um, I also think sometimes when teams start to do it, they get like addicted to doing yep. it in a weird way. And they all of a sudden every the next year, yeah, let's put someone else there. Let's put someone else there. And you end up with, to use the Jays line, a, a level of mediocrity, not a level of excellence. I personally don't know if there's another player out there who deserves that honor because I want it saved for like the true giants of the franchise. Is there someone I'm missing in your opinion? Is there someone who you think has the resume to go up there? It's a tough one. I think, I mean, with, with Bautista up there, I think you'd like to see Edwin Encarnacion, but Edwin was there for a long time like Bautista was. He had great seasons, but he was never the best player on the Jays, nor was he, you know, like an MVP candidate, anything like that. Josh Donaldson won the MVP here, but he wasn't here for long enough for it to make sense. You hear the reaction from the crowd when John Gibbon gets John Gibbons gets introduced, and it's like a huge cheer. And it's funny because I don't know if there really was that sentiment towards him ever when he was actually managing. It was more after he left, everybody was like, you know what? This guy rocks. Like this guy is cool. And I mean, he he's up there as one of the most winning managers in Blue Jays history, but at the end of the day, they didn't win the world series. So it's kind of hard to rationalize that one. Maybe if you go to the past and the next thing you want to do is reintroduce some nostalgia for the 92 and 93 teams. You could do Tom Hankey. He's the Blue Jays all-time leader in saves. Uh, you could go the media route and do um, Jerry Howarth or something like that. Uh, you know, called a bazillion different Blue Jays games as like had a pretty huge impact on the on the on the organization and the fans. You could do that, but I agree with you. You don't want it to turn into a level of very good, like how we call the Hall of, it's not the Hall of Fame, it's the Hall of not, not the Hall of Very Good, right? So yeah. I guess that's the logic. Maybe you wait until this generation passes and put the next guy there. But I think Hanky going back to the 92, 93 things might be the one, but I don't know. I'm pretty happy with just Bautista being the face from that generation. You don't need to put the entire team up there. You bring up Jerry Howarth and that's, uh, that's an interesting one. Actually 36 year career with the franchise, like, yeah. That that's a good way to do it. Another easy thing is to always just like name the broadcast booth area after him. I know a ton of teams have done that in hockey and baseball before. Um, but yeah, like I, you said something at the end there, like Batista almost being the representative for that 2015 team. And I think that's kind of the way I like it is just having like the player who was the face of that kind of era. Right. And I think the Jays have actually been pretty good at sticking to that. And there's no doubt Batista was. I love Edwin and Carnesion. We're going to talk about the impact he may have on the 2023 Blue Jays uh, in, in a second here. Um, but again, like he wasn't the face of those teams. He was right there. He was on the Mount Rushmore, if you want to say, of impactful pieces in 2015-16. But the highest he finished in MVP voting, he was never top 10 in MVP voting, never mind getting a top five or whatever, right? Like he was never the star. He was one of the other stars on the team. So I don't know if I... If I would stand behind the Encarnacion one, I like Jerry Howarth. Uh, our pal Tyson a couple hours ago wrote a piece up at the, or at bluejaysnation.com. Um, so you can go check that out if you want to read a little bit more into that. Jose Bautista goes up to the level of excellence. Yeah. That mural, I'm scrolling through Twitter right now as mm -hmm. we're doing the show. That mural is so cool. So good. Yeah. Um, so good. It was great. They also gave him a big diamond chain and some Muskoka chairs, which I'm sure he will get plenty of. <laughs> You'll get used yeah. out of one of those two things. Yeah, you'd think. Absolutely.
Uh, all right, let's uh, let's dig into the series against the Cubs. Uh, the Jays dropped two of three. Let's start with the downs because they did lose this series and a couple of ugly outings on the bump from both Jose Barrios and Chris Bassett to start this series for Barrios. He just he never really got going from the jump in the first inning. Nico Horner goes yard. Cody Bellinger goes yard. It is frustrating watching Cody Bellinger go yard because we know he was close to being a Toronto Blue Jay and they had serious interest in him. Um, but Barrios, I, I don't know if I want to say I'm concerned about either of these two guys having not great starts. Like Barrios has been so good over the last little bit or over the last whatever it's been now, 17 Most starts. Season, yeah. Yeah. Like he's fine. He's good. Bassett. I don't know. Maybe a hair more concerning, but even that he's been pretty good at bouncing back so far this season. So I'm not concerned about either, I guess. Are you? No, I'm going back to the Barrio starts here and it's quality start after quality start. I mean, the one before that, it was in Boston, only goes five and two thirds. So not technically a quality start, but only three earned runs. And then before that, six innings, one earned, five innings, two earned, six innings, two earned, five and a third, one earned, seven innings, zero earned, like going and going and going. It's basically just a quality start machine. And then we've talked about Bassett before as well. And I mean, he's a pitch to contact kind of guy. So as we saw in the past with the likes of R.A. Dickey, Mark Burley, sometimes those starts go sideways and they're not the best. So every once in a while, he's going to get smacked around. We all saw how the Cubs have been performing in the past few weeks, like they've rocketed up the standings. And a lot of that comes down to their offense. They have a whole bunch of guys who are just killing it with the bat. I'd say it's just, it was just back-to-back coincidental, mediocre starts. I wouldn't be concerned about it at all. Starting pitching is still probably the strength of this team. And I, I don't think this series changes anything. Yeah. They flashed that graphic up again during the series and in the third game when it's like, Hey, don't basically saying the same thing down. I was like, don't worry about it. Two games. And it's not even like they really got quote unquote torched. Like in those first two games, they gave up 11 runs, not ideal, but it's not like they gave up a 10 spot in a single game or anything like that. So uh, definitely a down point of the series, but nothing to be concerned about long term. Um, speaking of long term, the Jays struggles with the bats noted one for four with runners in scoring position game one, two for six in game two. Again, I, I want to sit there and give them some credit in game three, going eight for 17 and finding a way to hammer home 11 runs. But I would like to get into the rhythm here where there's two games in the series where you hit really well and maybe one where you have it off. And like even going back to the Cleveland series, they get the split, they win two games, but the bats again come alive once out of the four games they need to find some consistency here. And I know we've just been hammering this point and it's nauseating, but still. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we talk about this almost every single time. And I mean, I don't know if it's going to change. And I also, I think we have to remember this is, this is something we kind of forget is that Boba Shett's not in the lineup right now. Yeah. And the Jays are operating without their best hitter. Matt Chapman was also pulled from a game in that series, though, the way he's been hitting, I'm not really sure if that makes a significant difference, but yeah, the Jays aren't really operating on a hundred percent right now with their lineup. Their, their, their best hitter, their catalyst at the top of the order is gone right now. So expectations can only be so high, but that being said, even when Bo was in the lineup, up and he was killing it the, the everything was still very underwhelming so there's a month and a half left hopefully it starts clicking soon because it, it kind of looks like it's just not going to happen we we all kind of wondered at the beginning of the year oh yeah when all the guys on the team finally get hot at the same time uh maybe it just won't happen so <laughs> the jays as i just said in the previous point are a team that's going to have its success based on pitching so that's where we're at 
or maybe they're just saving it for September. Yes. Um, but you would, you'd certainly hope they piece it together before then. Uh, those are the first two downs. The third one, maybe this one is a little bit more concerning. When the Jays got Jordan Hicks, there were some Cardinals fans I was reading online who were like, man, you are not going to love this guy. He's volatile. He loses control. You're going to enjoy watching the 103, 104, but there will be a lot of frustrating games. There have been some frustrating outings here from Jordan Hicks so far. He pitched an inning in the second game, gave up a run. His numbers since joining the Jays are not incredible. Um, what have you made of Jordan Hicks recently? Again, 4.76 ERA, I believe, since joining the Toronto Blue Jays now. Um, not exactly the lockdown stuff we thought we were getting. No, the Jays didn't get like an ace closer here. And I mean, at the end of the day, like he he was probably the top relief arm on the market. But just because he was the top name available doesn't mean he was, you know, they're not acquiring Mariano Rivera here. It's not like an automatic lockdown guy. It was because Jordan Romano's injured and they needed somebody to fill into the closer spot. He basically platooned that with Eric Swanson over the two weeks that Romano was out. Apparently Romano is coming back on Tuesday. He'll be back in the ninth inning and I think we'll I think I think where Hicks fits better is as like that maybe four or five outs reliever that comes in earlier in the game as opposed to the ninth inning. But when you look at all the numbers combined, it's been six outings, five and two thirds innings, six hits two walks, only three strikeouts, three earned runs. So like far from bad, but just not amazing lockdown stuff. And I mean, I think out in when Romano's out and he's in the closer role, it might be a little bit exposed as not the best arm who can consistently get the job done. But I think just as a bullpen arm in general, that makes, makes the pen deeper when you want to have somebody with crazy velocity coming out, maybe after somebody like Ryu who's soft tossing, you bring in Hicks to bridge the gap because he throws so hard. I think it just gives, um, it gives the, the, the Blue Jays more options with, with what they're going to do. And I think he just fits better when Romano's back. Yeah, you could say that about a few other pieces in the lineup when it comes to Bichette too. Some guys like Paul DeYoung, it's like, ah, maybe he just fits better when Bo Bichette's back. Um, you kind of have to remember these were, or at least DeYoung was an injury recovering move and, Hicks should slot in a little bit nicer in some lesser leverage spots when Jordan Romano's back as well. Um, let's get into the ups. They did win a game and it was a fun one on Sunday at the Dome. The Jays win 11 to four over the Cubs. They have a five run second inning. I do not remember the last time this team scored five runs more for more than four runs even in a single inning. It was fun to watch them blow up there in the second and do some of the damage with two outs as well. Um, which made it even better. Whit Merrifield goes four for six in the game. Dalton Varsho was an absolute stud going yard, giving us just a little taste of maybe what the Jays front office saw on him over the winter. Uh, Jays blow up our first up. The offense gets rolling. I mentioned Varsho. Anyone else stand out to you or was that the Dalton Varsho game? Yeah, it was kind of the Dalton Varsho game that we've been waiting for for so long. I think he hit his first, it's, it was his first home run at home at the Rogers Center since like June, no. June the 7th or something like that. Like over two months ago was the last time the Varsho hit a home run at home. And it was also, um, James G pointed this out on Twitter. It was, uh, I think the first time all season that a player had had two multi RBI hits in the same game since like April's or something like that. Brandon Belt had it. So it's just like stats that really show like the Jays just straight up aren't producing all that much. And I mean, I don't know. There's a there's a million different things you can say about this lineup, but I I, I think the conclusion that I've kind of come to now by mid-August is that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not gonna have the MVP season that 
we were expecting him to. And the lineup is built around him. So with a pitching strong team like the Jays, they need random guys to just come through at different times. I'm, I'm very skeptical. We're going to see the machine roll all together at once. So what we're going to need is, you know, Davis Schneider had his huge game in Boston. Dalton Varsho here has a huge game. We need, you know, Vladdy to have a big game here and there. Matt Chapman has a big game. Like there's players with the capability of having a big game, driving in a bunch of runs, hitting dingers. And that's what they need. They need the pitchers to keep the runs low and for the offense to just pop off here and there. I, I really don't, I don't feel the like well-oiled offensive machine rolling ever. It's kind of like the 2016 season. They never really got that hot, but they just need the, the they need the bottom part of the lineup to come through more often than not. It's interesting. Uh, you, you compare them to 2016 and, you know, because this weekend featured a lot of looking back on the 2015 Jays and how electric and how fun they were. They were never out of a ball game simply because they could hit so well. Do you think that that's still in the fan base's mind? Maybe too much that everyone keeps wanting, you know, Guerrero to be Bautista and Bachette to be Donaldson and all these pieces to fit back in perfectly the way they did in 2015. Like, did that team maybe just set the bar too high for people who are like even just becoming fans of the sport? Yeah, I think people came in and and kind of learned that, that the path to success is that. The 2015 yeah. team made their two big trades at the deadline and then went nuclear the West, rest of the way. Went like, what, 35 and 10 or something down the stretch and then beat the Rangers with the huge home runs and this and that. But it's important to remember from those two seasons is look at who the Jays lost to in both, both years in the ALCS. Kansas City and Cleveland, especially Cleveland, because if we're being honest, what Ross Atkins has done here is essentially built like a higher budget, better version of what Cleveland was in 2016. And that's the team that beat the Jays with their great pitching and their ability for, you know, the number seven guy in the lineup to smack a home run or somebody gets on base with a walk and they bunt him over and he steals a base. Like that's what they're designed to do. And we're never going to see them put together the huge run like they did in 2015 and score 15 runs, five games in a row. Right. It's just, it's just a differently constructed team. And I mean, it's, it's not always, as exciting to watch as the ones we've seen in the past, even last year, the 2021 team, it's really not like that anymore. It's just the expectations should be different. And there isn't only one path to success. You don't have to just beat the wheels off of every team with this, this high flying explosive offense. The Jays are, the Jays are built like an old school club this year. And I mean, there was fans crying for that in the past. They were for so long. Oh, the Jays just try and hit home runs. The Jays are doing this, blah, blah, blah. Now they're that, you know, scrappy defensive chippy team that so many people so many like hockey fans in this market wanted so badly and now they're like why don't they have guys that can hit home runs and it's just like what are you even complaining about at this point you're talking out of two sides of your mouth yeah um sticking with this series here i mentioned whit merrifield going four for six how about the fact that he is now top five in the american league in batting average um one of those things when we (laughs) rattled off our predictions at the beginning of the year as optimistic as we were about this team None of us were this optimistic about Whit Merrifield. Um, what a year he's been having. And it does create a conversation of like, what's it going to take to bring this guy back? Well, he's got that option. And I mean, oh, yeah. he could uh, pick up the team option and pay him. What What is he getting? What would it be like 18 or 20 million or something ridiculous 18, like that? Yeah. It's something pretty high. And I mean, um, there's also the possibility of a qualifying offer. But I would guess... Um, I I guess you kind of negotiate an extension where you try and spread that money over two or three years, maybe, but I don't know. Nobody saw this coming. There wasn't 
a person other than perhaps Ross Atkins who thought last August when they sent two no-name players to the Kansas City Royals for Whit Merrifield that anyone had any expectations from this whatsoever. Like uh, the way it performed over the past few years for the Royals, that team was just like a complete husk and his numbers just completely tanked. And then as soon as he came to the Jays, it was like a just a complete rejuvenation. I mean, I had no idea what Merrifield was this, this good of a player. I really, truly didn't. And they just completely brought him back to life. But also you have to look at his age too. And it's like, you know, he's, he's, he's having a big go here for maybe one final run at a world series, one final run at a new contract. And he's pretty old and it's, you have all those guys down in the minors, your Addison Bargers, Spencer Horowitz, Davis Schneider, they need spots to play next year too. So I'm not a hundred percent sure what's back. Yeah, I, I wonder because, yeah, I see it here. It's a mutual option for 18 million bucks. Because you have the Bargers and the Horwitzes and they could factor into things next year, is there maybe value in just biting the bullet and being like, hey, we'll give you the 18 mil for a year? Like, whatever. It's a bit much, but you can come in and help just bridge the gap one more a year for those guys. And again, we're seeing it this year. Injuries are going to happen. You're going to need more than just Bow and Merrifield up the middle. Also, Wit can move around your lineup a lot. Like, you're not going to probably get this kind of a season from Wit next year, but is he maybe not valuable enough as a veteran guy who? Heck, even if he's not every day next year and you'd hate to pay 18 million bucks for that. My point is kind of like the worst case scenario is he's on your bench for a year. And the reason is because Addison Barger is some is already a stud and as a rookie, right? Like maybe you just keep him around. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, they, they have the option to do it. I don't think <laughs> as, as good as his season's been, I don't think Whitsman declined his side of that mutual option. No, um, not at all. Uh, let's talk about Hunjin Ryu making his return. Oh, I guess he didn't really go on the IL again, but he makes another start and he looks fantastic. Picks up his first win. It was his return to the win column uh, since he got Tommy John. He goes five innings. He doesn't allow an earned run. He only allows two hits and two walks as well. He looked really, really good and really in control in this ball game. Um, the only runs he gave up were unearned because of a Brandon Belt air. So he should have been out of that first inning. And maybe that start even goes a little bit longer if Belt makes that play at one. Uh, Ryu looked fantastic. Yeah, I mean, pretty much since the first inning of that Baltimore game, Ryu's looked really good. Mm-hmm. It's been, you know, it was a it was a, kind of a difficult landing. And then the Orioles are really good, too. They have a really good lineup. And they had a difficult first inning, allowed a few runs, got smacked around a little bit. And then in that Cleveland start, the one where he got hurt, he was, you know, pretty much perfect through four. It was just a master class. And then it was, oh, man, you know, he got hurt. What a, a, like a shitty disruption. Like he had been pitching so well. Who knows what to expect when he comes back? And he goes up against the Cubs, another good offense. Like you can, you can say perhaps when you're facing Cleveland, oh, well, they're just facing the Guardians. They suck. So maybe his, his, his good start there wasn't that big of a deal. But when you do this against the Cubs and we saw how they hit Bassett and Barrios earlier in the series and, he was just mowing them down. If not for the Brandon Belt error, could have been five or six shutout innings. Who knows? Like that's vintage 2020 Ryu. Like that, that's the pitcher that we saw pretty much drag the Jays to the playoffs, put up a good outing every time he went out. And the Jays that season in 2020 had like nobody else in their rotation until they went out and got Taiwan Walker, Robbie Ray and Ross Stripling at the trade deadline. And I mean, <laughs> the first half of the season, it was the only pretty much guaranteed six inning start. And, 
now we're just seeing that again for the first time. It's we we brought this up a few times, but I cannot believe we're watching Kyunjin Ryu pitch in 2023. Truly, it's last year when he went down with the injury. I thought, ah, you know what? That's it. That's a shame. He was such a good signing. He was so good that first year. Like too bad it came to an end like this. And now here he is looking just about as good as he ever has as a Blue Jay. Right after Tommy John, it's it's truly something. It's insane. Yeah, it it's incredible, man. And I mean, even if he's a guy who's like not on the roster come playoff time or whatever, he's going to play an important part in them getting to the postseason, which is just insane to think about when you consider where we were uh, 12 months ago. Uh, the third up we'll go with for this one. We, we joked about it earlier. MLB gives the Jays special permission to have Edwin on the bench as a special advisor and the Jays bats pop off. Coincidence? Eh, maybe i don't know i mean probably but i'm just choosing to lean into this being look edwin encarnacion's on the bench all-time great blue jays hitter his vibes are just so good that they're hitting because he's there so i mean if the jays can find a way to always have like one of these high quality special guests in the mix maybe have bautista on the bench sometime maybe have like a russell martin on the bench a guy like that you know one of those players who just brings the vibes, maybe it just unlocks something. You know, it, when when you when you're scuffling, nothing hurts, right? I mean, you have two you have two games at, that you lose to kick off the series on Friday and Saturday, and then just mix up the vibes for the Sunday. That's what you need, right? Yeah, I'm. Again, some people were maybe taking it a little bit too far as they do. <laughs> Be like, there you go, Guillermo's replacement, and it's like, okay. I don't think Edwin taught was teaching anybody anything in his like 40 minutes before the game on the bench. So maybe we need to pump the brakes a little bit. The last, but the last time we told people to pump the brakes, David Schneider went out and had like the best opening series a player's ever had. So, um, he's also, he cooled off a little bit in this yeah. series, uh, which was, which was unfortunate to see. But I think even though he's like in air quotes cooled off, um, he's still hitting like 400. So I'm sure he's, fine. <laughs> uh, all right, there you go. There's our three up three down as the Jays drop two of three to the Cubs. They're still holding on to the final wildcard spot though. And reinforcements are on the way. You mentioned Jordan Romano back on Tuesday, Trevor Richards likely to be back on Friday as well. Um, Bo Bichette was talking to the broadcast and it was hard to get a read on how he truly felt. He was kind of being hushed about it, but he did describe himself as day to day. We've seen the clips of him running the bases and fielding ground balls with the thing on his leg. So it feels like Bobachet's getting closer. Um, even if it's not another 10 days though, Cam, like the big win was that Bichette's not done for the year. I think we kind of have to keep going back to that point. It might be a little frustrating to see this thing linger and now he's still not back, still not back, but this is still, we are still well within best case scenario territory with Bichette. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, no, the, 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 the thing that everyone should be thinking about is when that injury happened and when we were looking at him standing between first and second base against Baltimore, we were thinking, all right, Bo, we'll see you in spring training next year. Like this sucks. Like this is a, this is, this could completely derail the season. I mean, it's been a couple of weeks, but. At the end of the day, if he only misses a month of action, he misses all of August and comes back for September, then that's a huge win given what we all thought was going on right off the hop. So, I mean, we've, we've said this, we always take a pretty cautious approach when it comes to injuries. And you and I both always say, you know, they're better off taking this slow and getting it absolutely right than, you know, rushing this thing and he comes back and gets hurt again in September. And then all of a sudden there's no runway. Like, yeah, go ahead and miss these games now against the guardians and the Cubs, and then coming up right away, the Phillies and Cincinnati national league team. So that down the stretch when we're playing Tampa and Baltimore and New York and Boston, you're there because those are the games that really ultimately do matter a little bit more. 
Yep. Um, looking at the roster here. Um, so like when Kiermeyer eventually comes back, um, that's an easy one. Nathan Lucas will go back down to the minors. When Bo comes back, they have a bit of an interesting decision to make. Like who goes down? Do you keep David Schneider up if you're the Jays or do you send down Espinal or DeYoung? Yeah, I mean, I don't think uh, Espinal can go down. De Young, I don't think can. I don't know if Cabin Biggio can be option, but he's actually playing really well recently, that so that wouldn't even really be a thought. Um, yeah, I think it's probably Schneider that goes down, just given the fact that they haven't been playing him that much. It's not like he's been used as the everyday second baseman like we were all talking about back during that amazing Boston series. So I would guess that's the guy they send down. Though Espinal's had a bad season, it's someone they, they do know and they trust, and he's kind of a veteran by now, so I would imagine he stays up. But yeah, you have Richards as well. Like It's, it's going to be interesting when the Jays finally do have a fully healthy roster, if they ever do, because... Yeah. We kind of saw at the beginning of August, you know, Ryu comes back, but then, oh, there's Romano going, and then there's Richards is on the injured list, blah, 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 like a bunch of different things pile up. So we may never see the fully healthy team. And then also consider September is only two weeks away, and I think they get two extra spots in the roster. It goes up to 28, 14 yep. pitchers and 14 players. So option some guys down for now, and then once the roster expands, uh, it's not quite so much of a crunch. Yeah, I know some people might roll their eyes at the idea of keeping David Schneider up over Santiago Espinal, but you mentioned the September thing coming. It is not the worst thing in the world to send David Schneider down, let him play every day for two more weeks, and then bring him back up in September. Yeah. I'm sure someone will throw a fit about that online, <laughs> but it, it, it's really not the biggest deal. Either of them, letting Espinal go down for two weeks and find his groove and, yeah. and get four ABs every day isn't the worst thing either. So no. Again, it'll be kind of a small potatoes thing when it comes to the pitchers getting healthy, though. Uh, Romano back, like you said, on Tuesday. Richards likely back by the end of the week. Is it as simple as Nate Pearson and Bowden Francis? Probably. And then maybe Jay Jackson can go down as well. There's yeah. there's a handful of guys on the at the back of the bullpen that can get moved around. I think it will ultimately come down to probably who's pitched recently, who's fresh, that kind of thing. And then they they'll just cycle those optionable names. All right. There you go. Some players potentially coming back as the Jays get set for a week. That's actually pretty quiet, which is nice. Again, you talk about not being healthy, having two days off this week. That will help as well with some arms. Let them get fresh. You mentioned Romano and them. Um, so they play the Phillies Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they have another day off. Let's get set for that quick two gamer against Philly. Uh, but first, we're going to step aside for a quick break. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Uh, Coomzy, before we get into the AL East report, a bit of a uh, developing story from the American League East. Uh, Wander Franco had some pretty disturbing allegations thrown his way yesterday. These things made the rounds online. Franco was not in the lineup for the Rays yesterday as allegations of him having a relationship with a minor were thrown out. Uh, Jeff Passan with a tweet late last night saying Tampa Bay shortstop Wander Franco did not travel on the team plane to San Francisco where the Rays will start a series with the Giants. The Rays earlier said Major League Baseball is doing due diligence concerning the social media posts from earlier on Sunday. Passon went on to add MLB is looking into the social media posts and have to ver- have yet to verify the information. They're early in the process without confirmed facts. Franco could be placed on the restricted list for administrative leave. The Rays, when asked about Franco not being on the plane, declined to comment. Kevin Cash, after the game on Sunday, said it was just a scheduled day off anyways. Kind of a little hard to believe that. Um, but regardless, allegations of this kind obviously very disturbing, so you would certainly hope Major League Baseball is taking the proper steps in all of this, and and I'm sure they are. We had a story about this a couple of years ago out of Pittsburgh as well. Um, but anyways, a big, big name player who is uh, facing some pretty disgusting stuff. So we'll obviously, I mean, you don't want to speculate on anything right now. It's very early in the process, but some big stuff coming potentially out of the AL East um, to talk about what's going on on the field. Let's bring in Brandon Douglas. Brandon, for the weekend, we were all Baltimore Orioles fans, and uh, I think they kind of came through for us, hey? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. They, they take two or three in Seattle to kick off their road trip, which included like getting spanked in the first game of the series, and then they bounce back really well, have uh, six pitchers combined for a shutout, giving up only four hits in game two. That one went to extras. Uh, and then in game three, that one also went to extras. Cedric Mullins scheduled to get the day off, a little bit of a breather. He's just coming back from injury here. Robs a home run off of uh, a Seattle player to to keep the game alive for the Orioles, and then hits a home run on the top of the tenth to ended up being the game winning uh, driving in effort there. So things are looking up for the Orioles still. They're they're not slowing down. They will uh, continue their road trip down in San Diego. Uh, one other note: Shintaro Fujinami, who had been one of the names Baltimore had added in advance of the deadline, he got his first save as an Oriole there in game number three. So uh, positive uh, positive vibes there because he had uh, struggled his first couple times out to the bump as a member of the Baltimore club. The uh, the Rays, like you just said, I mean, it's kind of just bad news after bad news for them. Um, they did win two of three against the Guardians, but their pitching staff is a mess at this point. They have virtually no real starting arms left except for Zach Eflin, and he started in his game and did not pitch very well on Sunday. Six runs given up, nine hits, one walk in just three innings. Uh, they did, however, bring up their... Top, or one of, I should say, their top prospects, Oslivas Basabe. Uh, he made his MLB debut in that game three, ended up being a loss for the Rays. They'd already taken the first two, so they had quite a few um, guys not in the lineup, a little bit of a rest day for a number of players. Randy Rosarena continued his great series, but yeah, Tampa Bay, I think a lot bigger things on their mind right now than this uh, this series that they just wrapped up with Cleveland because they will uh, now head out west, like you just said, to San Francisco to kick off a quick western road trip too. The, the Yankees, I won't spend too much time talking about them. They continue to slide, losing two or three to Miami. And it just 
encapsulated their season pretty well here in game three. They were entering the ninth with a seven to three lead, end up losing eight to seven by the time it was all said and done. Uh, Yoni Brito is back with the big club, not going to be starting though, bulk relief. I'd mentioned on Friday's show that Randy Vasquez, their top prospect, he was back up, uh, back up with the big club. He didn't end up starting on Friday, but came in in bulk relief. Uh, with three and two thirds in, he pitched, got the win out of it as well. So a little bit of a positive story. The Yankees will finish their current road trip, uh, starting today in Atlanta with three versus the number one Atlanta Braves. And finally, the Red Sox, the team that kind of just all season won't go away. It seems like they're sliding out of it. They climb back in. They went two or three against the Tigers. Uh, Chris Sale made his much anticipated return to Boston starting rotation. Uh, limited role though. He was on a bit of a pitch count. He went four and two thirds. But, I mean, he retired 14 guys in a row, four shutout frames, seven strikeouts, one hit, two runs given up. So, and, you know, Chris Sale, he's, he's an older guy at this point, but the results still speak for themselves. And adding this back for Boston down the home stretch yeah. here can only only cause more concern for the rest of the teams in the wild card race. I'll pull up our wild card race standings here in just a second for us. But uh, game three then also saw Garrett Whitlock make his return to Boston's lineup. Doesn't look like he's going to be in the rotation, though. He'd made 10 starts for them earlier this year, but probably going to be used as a bullpen arm at this point. And uh, and Tanner Houck, of course, the very concerning injury that seems like forever ago now, and he took the comeback right in the face, got several reconstructive surgeries done. He's going to make one more rehab start before also returning to Boston's lineup. Uh, the Red Sox, they have the day off today, and then they'll start a pretty extensive 10-day road trip uh, down in Washington tomorrow. So I will uh, chalk this up here so we can have a little banter about it. So Toronto's still sitting comfortably in that third wildcard spot. But if we like look back a couple months ago where we thought, man, four out of five AL East teams might be making these playoffs, that's probably not uh, realistic anymore. Because if it were to happen, the Jays would probably be the team falling out of it for Boston or the Yankees to somehow claw their way back in. But Seattle, a game and a half back after losing two or three to Baltimore and Houston still a couple uh, plus games ahead as we crazy to think just are kind of right in the mix of rolling over the three quarter way point of the MLB season here heading into the last month and a half. Looks uh, looks pretty interesting here as we keep going. Yeah, I'm just looking at that out of town scoreboard. Um, Interesting stuff. stuff. Um, Brando, thank you as always. Yep, you bet guys. Coombsy, two against the Phillies, bit of a dull week here for the Jays. It's a little uh, old school interleague ball in the middle of the week and then a day off again and then more interleague ball to wrap up the week against the Cincinnati Reds or to head into the weekend. Uh, pitching for the Jays in this two gamer, likely Kikuchi and Kevin Gosman, but the Jays got to go up against Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. So tough sledding for the birds in this one. Yeah, the Jays, uh, not an easy series here. I mean, their, their upcoming schedule here is actually not the best. They have Philly here. Uh, you'd like to probably, I don't know, you probably like to earn a split there. The Phillies are good. They're not great. Yeah. So I don't know. Going up against those two pitchers, sweep might not be realistic. So maybe two. Cincinnati's been pretty good this year. And then it's into Baltimore and then off to Cleveland and then, or, and then hosting Cleveland, it is. Sorry. But meanwhile, while that's all going on and the Jays have somewhat of a gauntlet against playoff caliber teams, look at the, the teams that Seattle is playing. They're, they're playing a four game set right away in Kansas City. And then they go to Houston. So that's a difficult series. After that, they're in Chicago to play the White Sox. Then they're back home to host the Royals and the Athletics. So it's like a 21 day stretch where the only good team they play is the Astros. So the <laughs> Jays are going to have to figure it out here if they don't want to get uh, jumped by Seattle in the wild card spot. That is uh, rather concerning because now I'm looking at who they start their September schedule against and it's the Mets. 
So, yeah. Yeah. Not great. <laughs> they also have another three-gamer in September against the Oakland A's. Um, the good news, I suppose, is uh, they end their season with 10 straight games against the Rangers and Astros. So that, there's some saving grace. And I mean, maybe for the Jays and their schedule, I mean, they end the season with they play the Yankees a lot. So hopefully the Yankees are junk by that point. But they also play the Rays a lot. And uh, I don't need to work myself yeah. up about the idea of a must win series late in the year at the trop. We, we don't need to get there yet. Uh, still plenty of baseball to go until then uh, John Schneider and Chris Bassett actually after that second game when they were asked about the possibility of not being in a wild card spot at the end of the day they both just kind of laughed and were like it's what August 11th 12th like we can't be worried about that so while we love scoreboard watching the team uh, squarely focused on the task at hand and for this week that's beaten the Philadelphia Phillies in a two-game series Coombsy enjoy the series we'll uh, we'll chat on Thursday best wishes 